I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition. We are having the Anaheim Ducks edition tonight ahead of the Flyers After Dark hockey that starts tomorrow night, Tuesday, in Anaheim against the Ducks. I am joined by CJ Woodling, the associate editor of Anaheim Calling, which is the Ducks blog on the SB Nation Network. CJ, how are you? I am doing fantastic, Kelly. Thank you. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. And I, I joked with CJ earlier that since both of our teams are playing garbage hockey right now, perhaps we would just discuss the cookies that he ate in New York City. But I've decided, no, we'll be serious. We'll talk about hockey. Um, <laughs> we said as we, you know, cry a little bit in the background, it's fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say it was going to be fun, but we're going to talk about <laughs> hockey. <laughs> so the first thing I want to ask you is actually a question that was posed by our pal Charlie from theathletic.com. And he just wants to know if you guys hate Randy Carlisle as much as we hate Dave Haxtell. Oh, my goodness. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, uh, I, I'm pretty aware of Flyers fans' feelings on Dave Haxtell. And uh, if you guys ever really wanted uh, kindred spirits in terms of um, being less than enthused with your head coach, please uh, go hug your nearest Anaheim Ducks fan. We, we do have the support group. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking earlier about it, but the last couple of years, um, there's been a lot, uh, a, a decent segment of the fan base who um, has been very split overall on Randy Carlisle. Um, I'll admit it, Anaheim calling, we have never been fans. We weren't fans of the rehire the moment it happened. Um, but there have been other people who, you know, saw the results, uh, him getting us to the Western Conference Finals in his first year back and saying, you know what, this is fine. This, uh, he's not really a problem. This season, though, um, right out the gate, though, um, uh, with the exception of a couple of holdouts, a lot more people have kind of jumped onto that bandwagon and the, the, the calls for Carlisle to either make a drastic change um, or to leave have uh, gotten pretty deafening lately. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting pretty loud out here too, and that's that's actually one of my favorite things about these little Q and A's that we do is that I'm finding that just about every single team Flyers fans can find some kind of common ground with, which is which is fun because yeah. you know we tend to all hate each other when we're playing each other, but you know, you guys yeah. have a terrible coach who can't make toast, but he won a cup one time, so now he's like gets to keep his job forever, and we have a a guy who doesn't have any emotions and <laughs> well I can tell you right now there's one guy who's the only reason Randy Carlisle's still employed and that's John Gibson so we're mm. kind of bittersweet because we're like Gibby we love you but dude come on <laughs> yeah and we're gonna get to John Gibson yes but let's start off with um I've been spending this early part of the season just kind of asking people about their off season to get a feel of where the teams are to start the season and for the Ducks most of the offseason moves seem to be more of an addition by subtraction type of situation where they were getting rid of some of their older guys like Francois Beauchemin, 
um, Antoine Vermette, but you guys didn't bring in a ton of additions, at least not any, any big names. Um, and on top of that, your core is getting a little bit older. The Flyers have that issue too, but you guys have, you know, Kessler, Perry, Getzlaff, all on the wrong side of 30. Um, so it's kind of a, a situation for the Ducks where they're going to have to decide, I think, if they're going to make one more push with this core of players or if they're going to kind of give up on them and, and maybe start making some trades and, and do kind of a rebuild. What do you think is on the horizon for the team? Um, you know, we've had a lot of internal conversations uh, about this. So then Hannah, I'm calling staff and um, th- there's a group that's starting to get a little bit more, um, uh, you know, more people are starting to get on uh, to this group's side in, in thinking that um, Bob Murray, as of right now, general manager Bob Murray doesn't really see this uh, um, a, a rebuild in sight. Um, and we think that may come from the top as well, from the ownership for the Samuelis. Um, a full-blown strip down and rebuild um, really is just, not only do they not want to do it, but I don't really even think it's that possible with the contracts that we have, um, specifically with uh, Getzoff and Perry making over $8 million a year, Kessler making almost $7 million a year. Um, that's a lot of money tied up into all of these guys right here. Those are contracts that are not easily offloaded. And, uh, and, and so if you did want to kick off a rebuild, man, that's just not going to happen. Now, I will say that the, um, I think that this team is on paper good enough to at least make a playoff run. Um, and if things go their way, if they go on a PDO bender and, you know, Gibson continues playing the way he's playing, um, uh, they could, you know, theoretically get pretty far in the playoffs if a lot of things fall the right way. But um, you know, the, the addition by subtraction part, I think, is a really good way to put it. And while those guys have obviously um, didn't do a whole lot for us and did kind of bring the team down in a lot of ways, um, as of right now, right out of the gate, it's actually not any better. In fact, it's worse um, to start out. So there's definitely some other issues at play here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like your division is one of those divisions where, like, anybody could really grab that third spot. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, on paper, you're right. I don't see any reason why the Ducks couldn't make a playoff push this season. That is, if they can get healthy, which, of course, like a lot of teams here to start the season, you guys are dealing with some injuries, most notably mm-hmm. Corey Perry, who's out for a while. Um, has anybody unexpected kind of stepped up to fill in for the, the lack of production that you guys aren't getting from a guy like Perry? Um you know, it's funny. Perry's obviously had a couple down seasons, uh, at least compared to what he was previously. He is still the third highest scoring forward on the team over those two down seasons there. I think maybe that speaks a little bit more to the Ducks just kind of having a middling offense mm-hmm. um, more than anything else. But um, uh, there really hasn't been much of a of a way of scoring the the, the ducks are um uh, the ducks are shooting at league average right now so they're not exactly overperforming in that area ryan gets i think is at a point per game so he's still producing as he's expected to um uh but we've had some other players who haven't stepped up um but that being said there really hasn't been anybody who has um really kind of replaced the scoring but what I will say, some, uh, um, uh, the surprising thing for us is that there have been a couple of rookies um, who have surprised with, um, frankly, how good they're playing. They're not necessarily playing elite level. They're not like 
Elias Pettersson uh, rookie level or anything like that. But um, people like uh, Max Comtois, who is suffering a little bit in the two-way game, but um, has uh, contributed some offense and has shown some really good scoring ability. Isaac Lindestrom, uh, our draft pick from just this year, number 23rd overall, he's 18 years old, and he already looks like he's an NHL center ready to go. Um, Perhaps the biggest surprise for us, though, I think is Kiefer Sherwood. And if you guys don't know this uh, this guy, I highly encourage you to pay attention to Kiefer Sherwood um, in the game. This guy is basically a um, clone of Andrew Cogliano. The dude is relentless. He makes things happen. His um, uh, He plays much bigger than he actually is. He was an undrafted free agent college signing, and he's come out this season. And um, even when we start to get some people back from injured reserve, I really think that Kiefer Sherwood has locked down a bottom six role no matter what. He's been really fun to watch. Those are my favorite stories. I love those undrafted guys who make their way onto a roster just either by chance or because of injuries and then just like get in there. Oh yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So after Sunday's overtime loss to the sharks, which seemed like kind of a rough one, um, you guys are now at four losses in a row. Um, What do you expect it'll take um, besides a game against the flyers (laughs) 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 to pull you guys out of this skid? Well, man, I can tell you, I mean, we barely beat the Detroit Red Wings and that, yeah. that took a, a, um, a shootout to get to there. So, um, you know, give yourselves a little bit of credit here. Um, really, the, the, the biggest thing. So the good news is, is that, yeah, the Ducks got severely outshot again. By the way, for those of you who aren't aware, the, um, the Ducks, I believe right now, are tied with the 1974 Washington Capitals, arguably the worst NHL team of all time in terms of shot differential, they are on pace for the same shot differential um, as that team. So that kind of gives you a, a heads up as to, number one, how bad we've been up front, but number two, um, uh, the fact that we are sitting in a playoff spot right now and the fact that John Gibson is not human. Um yeah. But what I will say is that uh, um, the third period against San Jose was one of the best periods of hockey the Ducks have played all season. And uh, they really picked it up. They had energy. They were creating scoring chances. They were moving the puck well. Um, uh, So there was definitely some energy there. And against a team like San Jose, who's kind of been underperforming but still tends to drive play pretty well in most of their games, that was definitely encouraging to see. So a lot of us are viewing this Flyers game as kind of a test and a turning point here. Will the Ducks continue to build off of that momentum or are they just going to fall back into um, uh, getting hemmed in their own zone for 60 minutes? So you mentioned John Gibson, who you are correct, might not actually be a human man. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like weird to me that I feel like when like casual hockey fans or like ESPN types of hockey broadcasts kind of talk about, top goaltenders in the league I feel like nobody ever really talks about John Gibson and I don't know what's up with that I don't know if it's because he's out in California or because he kind of came out of nowhere but like don't you think he should be like a way bigger star oh you are preaching to the choir right here we scream the the great truth of Lord Gibby um (laughs) as much as we can whenever we can and we have been for a few years especially ever since we traded Anderson there was a um, there, there was a big kind of split between Ducks fans as to did we trade the wrong goalie, so on and so forth. Um, uh, so far this season, I think uh, everybody's starting to come around to the fact that, oh, wait a minute, I think we got the right goalie here. And, um, y- you know, it's, it is true that he hasn't had it. And, and 
Gibson arguably had the best statistical season outside of goaltender wins, um, which uh, I know a lot of us think, and in my opinion, are completely garbage stat, but that's beside the point um, uh, that, you know, that he should have received at bare minimum a Vezina nomination last season because he was the only reason um, the Ducks made the playoffs. We did some calculations, and if Gibson played at a league average save percentage last season, um, the Ducks would have been picking fifth in the draft. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's that, remarkable. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. And uh, we would probably be dead net last in the league right now um, were it not for John Gibson here. So part of it, I think, is the West Coast, um, but part of it is also just outdated, outdated metrics for evaluating goaltenders. The fact that the three Vezina um, finalists last year were the top three in wins just kind of goes to show you how general managers are still viewing this um, and how a lot of hockey media does this as well. Um, uh, Gibson doesn't get the win. He's got the save percentage. Um, he's the only uh, uh, netminder over the past three years who sustained a 920 or above save, uh, save percentage. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, he, he doesn't have the wins mostly due to the team in front of him and uh, kind of the systems that they're running. So the good news is, is that so far early this season, it seems like Gibson has been getting much more of his due in the national mm-hmm. media. Um, he's not just in the in the um, analytics community, but with the mainstream hockey media as well. So um, if nothing else, it's been nice to see people kind of hype him up and also uh, see how surprised some people are at how good he is while we are sitting over here going, yeah, we know. <laughs> We've been trying to tell you for years. Listen to us. <laughs> We've been screaming it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like we talk a lot of Broad Street Hockey about goalies for obvious reasons. Yeah. And um, I've always argued that like nowadays there aren't really a ton of goalies. Like there isn't really like a, like Carey Price that one year was yeah. like a game-changing goaltender. Mm-hmm. And now and like Henrik Lundqvist I guess in his prime you could argue was like a game changer and I feel like right now John Gibson is the only goaltender in the league who you can say like really I think is a factor because I've always said you know like a league average goaltender will get you where you need to be if the team in front of them is playing well but I think Gibson is the only guy that's really like you said elevating the team to a level that they would be nowhere near if not for his outstanding play in net. 100% absolutely and in fact Randy Carlisle's systems uh defensive systems are actually based along the fact that we that the Ducks have an elite goalie and who can stop 35 40 plus shots a night which is kind of outrageous and is another problem that we have with it but like the, the 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 fact that that our system depends on that only you know could serve to pad his stats in the future yeah Okay, so you um you kind of already gave us an under the radar guy we should keep an eye on Kiefer. What was his last name? Uh, Kiefer Sherwood. Kiefer Sherwood. So we'll be watching out for him. Um, because like I said, I personally love an undrafted guy. Yes. Um, we have one in Phil Myers that we're hoping is going to make a splash once he makes it to the NHL. Um, but there is there any flyer in particular that you're looking forward to watching? You know, I'm uh, uh, I'm really interested to see how Nolan Patrick falls uh, follows up on last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming in as the, the the number two overall pick last season, and what a lot of people kind of consider to be a, a, a weaker draft. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a, a, a he had a, a pretty good rookie season uh, last season. It seems like um, you know some of those previous injury issues that he's had in the past weren't uh, 
um, a giant difference maker. I think he did miss some time, if I remember correctly. But um, this season, it looks like he's gotten off to a little bit of a slower start. But looking mm-hmm. at his um, uh, kind of play driving and, and shot metric numbers, they seem to be doing okay. Um, so I feel like at some point, um, he uh, it, it looks like he, he could probably start producing here a little bit more that he's capable of. But um, I'm, I'm just always very interested in um, rookies in their sophomore seasons, especially ones who kind of come in with that high drop profile or who do perform well in their first year and, and see like, look, is this going to be a true sustainable um, uh, play from this player? Or are we just looking at flash in a pan here? And so um, I, I do like the, the the way that Nolan Patrick plays overall. I think he does play um, a, a very good game. And I'm really interested to kind of see how he adjusts to his second year in the National Hockey League. And uh, against a team that that gives up as many chances as the Ducks, um, there's, there's probably a decent chance that he's going to get some good looks. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, actually, based on what the beat writers were reporting out of practice today in Anaheim. It looks like he's going to have um, a bigger role in the power play in this game. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets our power play going or if that gets him going or or what happens there because our power play has been pretty abysmal over the last few games. So you might get a, a more of a look at Nolan Patrick than you would have otherwise. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be good. And I'll be actually be at the game tomorrow. So it'll oh, be nice. good to look at him in person. Wonderful for you. Okay, so final thing. Shot in the dark game prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I'm predicting that, um, you know, given some of the flyer struggles, I don't necessarily think they're going to put up 50 shots, um, or 40 plus shots. Um, I, uh, unfortunately I am expecting just cause the system designs it this way. Um, you know, over 30 shots, 30, 35 shots, John Gibson's going to have to come up huge on, uh, uh, on several occasions. Um, but I do think that this game is going to be pretty close and, um, I'm going to go ahead and. I tend to be the resident optimist at uh, Anaheim Calling a lot of times, so um, I, I have a feeling that the Ducks will will build upon their performance in the third period of the San Jose game, and um, uh, you know maybe pick up the pace a little bit and, and not make as many mistakes to at least keep the game close and interesting. Okay, um, I've been like trying to like dig deep and find optimism. In flyers um, today, especially because we're recording our podcast tonight, and I was like, I'm gonna find something. There's gotta be something I can be positive about, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm struggling. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be really surprised if the Flyers win this game, just because uh, they've decided that in an attempt to get the team going, they're calling up, uh, for lack of a better word, their AHL goon. Um, I mean, I hate to call him that because he's actually like a good kid and he plays hard, but he's essentially a, a fighter at this point. He's not, he's not really an NHL talent, but they've, they've decided to call him up in an attempt to get the team going. So facing John Gibson, I'm going to be surprised if, if they even get a goal. Oh, that, that should make for some fun hockey. It should, it should be something else. <laughs> and at 10 PM Flyers fans, I'm sure will be like time zones are stupid. Time zones are very dumb, and I'm still adjusting back from uh, my East Coast trip here, so whatever. It'll take a while. All right, so that's all we have for this edition of Checking Out the Competition. Again, this is CJ Woodling, the associate editor of Anaheim Calling. You can find him on Twitter, at CJ Woodling. CJ, thank you again for joining me. Go Flyers! Thank you, Kelly. Go Ducks. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was... 
Well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to the Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hit and Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.